0: Welcome to the Unlimited Wealth Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs like you build the wealth and lifestyle you deserve. My name is Nicholas Jensen, bringing you the secrets behind the relationships, strategies, and mindset of the most successful people on the planet, showing you how to collapse timeframes in order to win at business, money, and the adventures of life. You don't
1: know what you don't know, so I'm here to show how the wealthy live, think, and make their money grow. It's time to live the life that you deserve. I'm here to help.
0: My my name is Nicholas Jensen, And, and this is Unlimited Wealth. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Unlimited Wealth Podcast. My name is Nicholas Jensen. Hey, today I'm joined by Molly McLaughlin. Uh, She's the creator of Sleep is a Skill, a company that optimizes how people sleep through through a unique blend of technology, accountability, and behavioral changes. She actually started the company because of her own sleep deprivation challenges that she was going through. And then she went and studied how to fix that and, and now is helping other people do so. So welcome, Molly.
1: Thank you so
0: much for having me. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, for sure. I mean I'm excited about our topic. I I geek out a little bit about this stuff as we talked about uh, you know before the podcast started. But uh, part of part of my audience's agenda is building wealth and, and part of wealth is really making sure that our health is dialed in and, and that's something that I enjoy focusing on. So I'm going to probably geek out a little bit on, on our topic today, so. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Thank thank you for joining us. Hey, but first off, why don't we start with, um, your story, your background? How did you start sleep as a skill? Uh, How did that come about? And, and we'll go from there.
1: Awesome. Uh, well, one, I'm so excited to geek out. That's one of my favorite, uh, things to do on this topic of sleep. And, uh, secondly, as far as the background, I started sleep as a skill really because it, it was born out of solving my own problem with sleep because what it was is that for many years as an entrepreneur in the middle of Manhattan, kind of running myself ragged, burning the candle at both ends, um, I had known myself as a night owl, as someone that, you know, I get my best work done late. That's what I would say to myself. And you know, and be really self righteous and kind of justify that that's how I do things, and I have the flexibility of my schedule, blah blah blah. So I I can you know go to bed as the sun is rising and then wake up crazy late, and that's just how it goes. And didn't think it was much of a problem until um, you know I I along the way it wasn't connecting that I was getting sick more often than the average person, or certainly more often than I had um, in years prior. I um, was getting more anxious over the as time went on as well and wasn't making the connection between my really poor kind of sleep habits and, you know, all of the life management that goes into getting great sleep. So all of those things were out of alignment. And then really when it transformed my life was when I went through my own period of insomnia. And this was on the lead up to my boyfriend and I also being, you know, kind of serial entrepreneurs had wanted to take on this whole concept of being digital nomads. So we were uh, shifting our business uh, models to be all online and in the process of beginning to travel and go international and adding jet lag into the mix, then my sleep just completely tanked and my stress levels were at an all time high um, and I just could not sleep. And it was really such a challenging, scary thing. I went to the doctors um, in Croatia to speak the language, and left with a prescription of their version of Ambien. And in that moment, it was kind of like a, "Is this my life? Like, how and what is the plan here? How long am I supposed to be taking this? What am I, you know?" And, and really, just so many questions, and not a lot of hope in the in the moment. So I'm a pretty obsessive personality. It's probably partly what got me into that mess, but at the same time, I used that that way of being to my advantage, and then really went down the rabbit hole on understanding what it takes to get great sleep and learning more about chronobiology, circadian rhythms, and it. What I learned had me completely turn upside down the management of my life and my days. Um, and so over time then got my sleep back to uh, homeostasis but then really uh, moved it to levels that I had never had before such consistency and it just changed the game for me and so I started working just organically with uh, other people that were having difficulties with their sleep and um, and then grew into like small groups and uh, online coaching and courses and uh, and so now it's blossomed into having like a, a podcast and uh, newsletters and all kinds of things to help make a difference in people's sleep.
0: That's a, uh, that's awesome. So I, I've always kind of pride myself as being a morning person and my oldest daughter is uh, a night owl and I always argue with her. I'm like the early bird gets the worm. Like <laughs> you've got to get up early and get your stuff done. But you talked about kind of working through the night and, and being a night owl. So is that is that kind of what caused it? Was that was that kind of the initial trigger of throwing your system off? Is that what caused like the sleep de- deprivation?
1: Yeah. Um, so so a couple things. You know, of course, I now knowing what I know now that it's a whole different conversation. But at the time, I wasn't realizing that the way I was managing things um, was one really weakening my circadian rhythm. I didn't realize that there was a strength to your circadian rhythm um, it can either have a really strong or weak uh, rhythm, you know, kind of been trained. And so all the things that I was doing had such massive variability to my sleep schedules um, and a lot of the cues that I was giving to my body and I can go into more about that. But it's really interesting because a lot of our behaviors um, that we engage in every single day can train that circadian rhythm to either be weak or strong. And... So doing that certainly set me up for one, a week circadian rhythm so that my body wasn't particularly clear on when it needed to be setting me up to be active, take on the day, or to be kind of downshifting and getting that sleep that we need. Uh, so that absolutely played a role in that, and then that can also cause a lot of hormonal imbalances. Um, uh, you know, health imbalances throughout the day. So your cortisol can be peaking at the wrong times. Um, your melatonin can really be insufficient. Your um, A lot of your sex hormones can really get thrown off for both men and women, but particularly women can be really vulnerable to this. We also, not only are we dealing with uh, circadian rhythm, but also infradian rhythm, which is a, you know, just a 28-day schedule. So there's a lot of things that sleep helps anchor uh, the workability around. And when you throw that off, then that can just make an already um, unworkable situation, you know, kind of throwing gasoline onto it. So, and that's really what I was doing with the management of what these multiple businesses and the stress levels that I was under. That's just what kind of broke the camel's back. And, But, you know, at the time, I didn't think there was any sort of silver lining. And I tend to be a bit of a stubborn person. So I think the silver lining was that it took, for me personally kind of hitting that rock bottom period to really make a difference in how I was running and managing my life because, you know, left to my own devices, I'd probably still be living like that if, if it hadn't gotten so bad and really needed to have, have a drastic change. of
0: uh, That wake up call. Can you uh, yeah. share with us, what is, what is kind of like a perfect circadian rhythm look like? And is it even achievable? Like, can you kind of get into this perfect zone?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So a couple of things. What we're aiming to do is hearkening back a bit more to um, uh, the kind of ancestral wisdom, but but still living within the 21st century. So what I mean by that is that for hundreds of thousands of years, we were very much linked up with the rhythms of nature and all that is is just the sunrise and sunset. Really, those were ultimate kind of productivity acts back in the day was the fact that when you rose with the sun, then you only had a certain hours of the day before the sun would set. So the sun was your ultimate, you know, your Pomodoro, your time blocking. It was, you know, all the new words that we have to try to be productive. Um, that was what you worked with because you knew, all right, well, I've only got a little bit of time here. So um, that connection was so innate. But then post-Edison, really, so in the late 1800s as we shipped over to electricity, that's when we began to have the optionality to have a 24-7 light schedule, which had never been an option before that time uh, because – you know there were little hacks that we used people to, to do back in the day the sun would set and maybe you could do a bonfire you could if you're wealthy you could have a you know some candles but it was still like expensive and um you know maybe you could do some lanterns later on but all of that stuff was not so practical and cost money and so not a lot of us were tethered still very much to the, the sun. Um, and then since that, so since that time, there's this really been a blip on the scale of human history that in Darwinian perspective speaking, we haven't been able to catch up with the changes since the late 1800s with now how differently we live. So if we look at that, then what we want to do for that perfect circadian rhythm question um, is just align ourselves with those rhythms as much as possible. So he, as human beings, we are basically diurnal creatures. And diurnal creatures just is meaning that we're meant to be active during the day and at rest at night. So we're looking to have more of a connection to that sunrise and sunset as much as humanly possible. And I can certainly use myself as an example that when I was in Manhattan, um, you know, like a few blocks, you know, a few blocks away is like Times Square and tons of. Lights and all the ability to be really active 24-7 with whatever schedule you wanted, I had no clue when sunrise or sunset was even happening. Um, so that was like the more extreme side of this perspective. But then, you know, for any of us, we're looking to connect with that a bit more. Now, you might not be in the space where you're necessarily connecting, wanting to rise with the sun. Um, but what we can at least first do is... Uh, ensure that we are getting more of that activity in those daylight hours and having the consistency to begin. So what I always say with a lot of clients, and some of them might be used to whatever. They, that for their scheduling, they need to uh, go to bed a bit later, or that's just how their lifestyle is at the moment. So I always work with them from a place of, okay, fine, and that's that's perfect. So as long as we um, create the consistency to begin, that can be a place to start because the body wants to be able to know count-onably that it's having a particular schedule with your cortisol rising in the morning and then um, kind of falling in the evening if we have uh, some of that workability in our hormones and then shifting over to melatonin. But many of us don't have our, um, the, the hormonal rise and fall the same way. Uh, as that anymore because so many of our cues are so far off kilter so the first thing to begin is just beginning with that consistent bedtime and wake time but seven days a week and i think that's where people often get thrown off because they may. well most of the time for five or you know four or five days out of the week i'm pretty consistent but then when you have those weekends where it goes like three or four hours off kilter it's as if you're you know traveling across time zones every single week and then the impact that that has on the body so that's the main thing that we want to at least begin with that, and that will strengthen your circadian rhythm. But the biggest thing then, the, the next element is that ensuring that you're having a clear divide in your days. So there's two parts where there's a lot of light during the first part, and then we're moving to a lot of darkness in the second part. Um, and that's where things can get a little tricky for a lot of people.
0: So you you brought something up there that kind of sparks a question on my mind. So for me in particular, we'll just use me as an as an example every day, well, not every day, Monday through Friday, my alarm goes off at 5 a.m. I'm up and out of bed, regularly 5 a.m. on, on Monday through through Friday. Saturday, 6, 7 a.m. Sun, Sunday, the same thing, 6, 7 a.m. But from what you're saying, you don't want to do that, right? Like you want it to be even consistent on Saturday and Sundays. Did I hear you correctly?
1: Yes. Great um, connection on that. Yeah. So we really want to have it. So the, the the buffering that we might give for a little bit of, um, you know, wiggle room is usually the recommendations around, you know, plus or minus 30 minutes, uh, something of that nature. So there might be a little bit of that variability, but largely you're staying um, really nicely consistent. And... The difference that that alone can make in people's lives when they um, kind of pull in and bring it in, having that consistency on the weekends can be so cool uh, because then, I mean, I'm so fascinated by it. The fact that I get sleepy every day at the same time and wake up around the same time every single day, it's just mind blowing because I never had a life like that. And then to know, um, even just from an entrepreneurial productivity perspective, to be able to plan your day accordingly and know that you will get the same, pretty much the same version of yourself each day and not just this like zombie driving version of different days because of uh, the behaviors that you might have been engaging in or um, being off that schedule. It's just such a freeing place to be, even though it might feel like discipline, it is discipline, but if the discipline equals that freedom on the other side of it, which I think is like a life-shaking, really
0: do you mind going maybe a little bit deeper into the side effects of, because because that may be a hard sell, right? Hey, I need you to yes. up at 5 a.m. on Saturday and I need you up at 5 a.m. on Sunday, which in theory for me, I'm like, that's awesome. I can get so much done, more done on Saturday. But I mean, it does feel good to kind of stay in bed for a little bit longer. So like what are, what are the side effects, maybe even short term and long term by sleeping in on the weekends? I mean, you talked about productivity a little bit. But what are some of the other, maybe even uh, medical side effects to to doing that?
1: Sure, yeah, good question. Ultimately, part of the place for any habit change, we wanna have a pull or a reason to go towards that. Because otherwise it's like, oh, I always have been doing this other thing, so I'll just keep doing the other thing. But if if we look at what are some of the benefits of having that consistent sleep schedule. So one, when we have the deviation of that sleep schedule, what you're having to do is then adjust yourself so as if you went off across a couple time zones. So um, like in your example, it might be the like one or two hour time zone. So we're having to shift you out for of that time zone um, change, you know, hypothetical time zone, even though you didn't necessarily go anywhere. But so often, you know, people talk about those like Sunday blues or Monday scaries and all those sort of isms and they're there's a decent argument that that can relate to just the difference of how off kilter we can feel and even anxious we can get when we our circadian rhythm is having to adjust every single week kind of like clockwork. So one, you can have the psychological shifts where a sense of kind of unease, um, because we are, it's kind of that stressor that we are going off of that rhythm. And there's a number of reasons around that, but um, just it's, the quality of our sleep gets impacted because our circadian rhythm is trying desperately to keep on track. And the what that's trying to keep on that schedule is known as in our brain, our suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is basically our master clock in the brain. And it's connected to our eyes directly, which is part of the reason why light becomes such a big player in this conversation of that kind of ultimate timekeeping. Um, because basically the, the master clock is always looking to see what time schedule we're on. So if we're deciding to, on the weekends, go to bed a little bit later, wake up a little bit later, it's still trying to keep your sleep on that same rhythm. So what gets impacted is um, if you're going to bed a bit later, you might be lobbing off a bit of that possible deep sleep time. And then, um, But then the problem is as you're sleeping in later, you're still having these different variables – Uh, So your body temperature is still trying to stay on the same tightly uh, knit schedule. So then that's going off. So then the quality of your sleep might be different throughout the night and it'd be warmer because you're going to bed uh, later. And there's, so the quality is um, falling off there. Also cardiovascularly, you can see your heart rate go up, your Uh, Recovery elements might not be as clear, so that growth hormone that we get primarily during sleep, particularly deep sleep, then that can be hindered. Testosterone levels can go down for men, and also women's sex hormones can get thrown off. You can have, uh, that can impact our periods as well, and some of the the pain levels of that. And then that clear cortisol and melatonin production that we're talking about, that's kind of one of the first places we'll look for uh, the balance for sleep, uh, for people then that can go off offline and then kind of have some variability there and then also even glucose can get thrown off uh, i don't know if any of you uh any of the listeners might have tried out wearing continuous glucose monitors but that can be something that can really uh, go offline so you know even our waistline can get impacted so those are just some some of the things that can go awry, but then on the plus side, when we do have that consistency, uh, then all of those kind of automate, and you really don't have to think about it. You get to be with one of those people that I think all of us might know—a friend that always wakes up at that same time every single day, no matter what. You know, how do they do that? Like, and those that can actually be a really cool sign of the strength of their circadian rhythm because. If you think about how life would have been when we are living much more outdoor living, when the sun would come up and the temperature and the environment heats up, you know, there's really just no kind of question for most of us because now suddenly it's like bright, blinding light and it's hot, so we're up, and so that would be the thing that would keep us scheduled, you know, on the same rhythm seven days a week. So we're trying to bring about that a bit more, if that helps um, uh, underscore it a bit
0: you know, in today's day, it seems like mental health is, is maybe increased a little bit. Is there any science behind anxiety and depression being linked, linked with bad sleep habits?
1: Yes. Oh my goodness. So, and it's such a, the continuing question is like the chicken or the egg conversation. Um, so we almost only see for, um, mental health, a kind of, um, Uh, deviation, so when we're dealing with uh, chronic anxiety, uh, chronic depression, bipolar, all of these um, areas that we want to really help support people with, then almost always what we see connected is a uh, abnormal sleep pattern. And so we don't really know what came first is kind of the age-old question, but um, that is certainly present when we're dealing with something like that. So Actually, just had a great um, psychiatrist on the podcast recently to go deep on that topic, and uh, she has a functional medicine approach to mental health. Um, and you know, so rather than just prescribing different, you know, antidepressants or mood stabilizers or any of those things, we'll go first to a lot of these behaviors that we can look at to help um, understand what um, some other variables that can be bringing this about for people. Mm-hmm. And on a less extreme side of things for many of us that can all relate to having periods of anxiety or just low moods or what have you throughout our lives. Uh, one of the first places that she'll be in is sleep and how important the uh, really bringing about the workability of that can really, really be. And so I think we want to start thinking about wellness as I'm making our argument that the first place to begin is really sleep. And, and it's not to discount the very important role of nutrition and um, and exercise, but it's to help uh, make them all partners together so so that when we're not sleeping, uh, you know, the first thing that doesn't get cut is the workout and, oh, uh, you know what? Screw the diet, screw the, you know, good choices. I'm just gonna go to whatever is the easiest thing. Because uh, we have a knowing, a common sense knowing of uh, our, our mental aptitude, our cognitive abilities, when we haven't slept well, we tend to just, our choices are a little less than our, a well-rested version of ourselves might make. And furthermore, uh, we're also setting ourselves up for more um, a difficulty with that. So even just a couple nights of acute sleep deprivation, you can see a real, um, no, like a, a measurable change in glucose alone. So we're already going to be primed to be looking for that quick energy source. Uh, so it's, it's setting us up for a bit of a, of a snowball effect of a vicious circle of, um, having to then seek out the fun foods or the easy foods. And then our glucose goes up even higher. And then that can cause actual wake ups throughout the night and difficulty with sleep as well. And more anxiety. And then you just keep it going until it becomes a real problem.
0: I see. What about, uh, what about naps Are naps good or bad during the day?
1: Great question. So it's a twofer. So what I mean by that is that depending on where you're at, if you're part of that group that we we're just talking about, that um, maybe is dealing with some, you know, chronic anxiety, depression, bipolar, uh, but also really linked up with your sleep and um, and insomnia, and just, you know, things are really not working. Then for for that person at that period of their life, then then naps might not actually serve them. The reason being is that. We're trying to maximize our sleep pressure, that feeling of sleep pressure, which is this buildup of of basically a chemical in our body that throughout the day will make us tired at the the end of the day. But if we take those naps, it can wipe it out a little bit. Um, So we're trying to help support that. And that's this adenosine. So if people are really struggling, then we might want to skip that so that we can preserve all that sleep pressure and get them to bed earlier on, on the same schedule. Now, if that's not you, if you're, you know, you're pretty fine with your sleep, but you want to be able to be more productive, you want to have the, um, you know, kind of a reset to your day, naps can be so powerful. And we want to just have a little bit of structure around them. So ideally, keeping them a bit earlier in the day, so, um, you know, before the early afternoon and around 20 minutes uh, can be a great kind of power nap experience. Uh, some people will do a bit earlier on in the day. They might have a little bit of caffeine before the nap, and you know, this kind of like calf naps or uh, different fun word play with it, but so that you're getting a little bit of that caffeine, and it takes around 15 20 minutes anyway to get fully in your bloodstream, and then you take that 20 minutes, so then you're getting a out of that adenosine and the caffeine, so you're doubly pumped and ready to go after that's done. But if you're doing any of that, you want to keep that um, on the earlier side of the day. And I don't want to be standing and promoting a ton of coffee, even though I love, 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 love my coffee. Um, you know, that can certainly be a problem area for a lot of people with their sleep too. So not to mislead people into a caffeine uh, <laughs> habit.
0: What about, uh, so when you look at uh, at business owners and, and entrepreneurs, um, one of the the main things that you want to try to do is to be as productive as possible, right? Is there any have you been able to to meet with clients and, and get their sleep rhythm, you know, their circadian rhythm down pat for them to come back and be like, Oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm so much more productive throughout the day. Like not actually just like, I feel better, but I'm actually getting more done throughout the day. Have you ever had experiences with that? Totally. Yes. Um, and for my, I tend
1: to attract a lot of like real, um, uh, Biohackery type A type of people because I bring in lots of tech and get pretty nerdy. Um, so I will have ones that will actually have lots of tracking systems. So they might be using uh, Beeminder or Toggle or you know all these different tracking um, tools so that they can measurably also speak to their productivity output. Uh, and it's been so cool to actually be able to see you know kind of a, in a chart sense of oh, my God, when I sleep more, I actually quantifiably get more, whatever, Commodores, time blocks, all these things, you know, fulfilled on than when I don't sleep um, or when I sleep less. So to see that, one, is super encouraging as most of the people I am working with are entrepreneurial in some way or have the ability to make their own schedule, which is partly how they're getting into this trouble with their sleep often. You know, for many of us, um, it's both that blessing and a curse to have such flexibility with our days um, and so when they see that they get really really encouraged and that can further help for that tough spell as you were talking about the like do I really want to commit to seven days a week where I'm getting up largely at the same time um, but seeing something like that can help make a difference so that they're having less of an experience of oh my god I used to see now that I look back at it my Mondays would be a bit dragging and then it would take me until like midway into the week to really kind of get my groove back and then I'm already back to the weekend and, you know, have to go through it all again. Instead, seven days a week, I know myself as someone that, you know, outputs, you know, reliably. Um, So that can make a big difference and also help with the sticking, the stickiness of these sort of habit changes, particularly because, you know, we are asking for some deviation from what the average person might be doing in the 21st century, but I'm also making the argument that the average person, you know, so much of us the results in our society there's massive levels of sleep deprivation. So we might want to not be doing what the average person is doing. Uh, So we'll want to be a bit of a leader on this, you know, on this front.
0: For sure. So one of the things that I experience in regards to my sleep is I find myself, Oftentimes, I wouldn't say every night, but oftentimes one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, I just wake up for whatever reason. And then I have a really hard time going back to sleep, knowing that my alarm is going to go off at five. How do you fix that? Like, what's the, is there a hack? Is there a trick? Is it, you know, something that I need to be doing differently? I, I assume I'm not the only one that experiences this.
1: Oh, yeah, you <laughs> are not alone. Uh, well, a couple of things. One, we want to start getting to the root of seeing what those wake-ups are about, you know, and, and really starting to get some numbers and metrics around those wake-ups. And so understanding, one, are they happening regularly? Are they happening during certain times of the week? Are there certain stimuli that's having this occur? Is it related to um, instability in glucose? Uh, you know, that can be a really popular one where we see you know, people um, having real mega uh, drops or swings in the night and not waking them up? Is it because we you know, drank too much the night before, just water um, or alcohol certainly can be another big one, but um, is it too much caffeine? Is that having a fragmented sleep pattern? You know, there's tons of reasons for different wake ups, um, but you know, getting to the source of that for sure so that we can be having the cold that you're not having to experience that so, so much. Secondly, how long are these wake-ups? So uh, that's where the sleep trackers can be really uh, helpful, at least in the 21st century, to kind of get a sense of, are these, you know, a couple minutes, and, you know, we're kind of stressing ourselves up, and as I have a lot of kind of perfectionists or people that want to have, you know, so when they see it even just like a few minutes, then it can really stress them out. But then when we really parse it out, it's like, okay, and it was, you know, a 10-minute time in the night. Like how can we start, like, reframing this? Um and then also, then from a mental approach too, we can start uh, looking at it's basically uh, in this conversation of acceptance commitment therapy, and so it's ACT essentially uh, just looking at how we can and not start the flare up and all the the rumination and hyper aroused state because what you're saying is so true because people then look at the clock, do the math, and say, ugh oh no, Like, <laughs> and the freak out begins. So not necessarily freak out, but depending on the person, you know, just like a lot of meaning is being made. And so instead, if we can, one, also, um, we want to remove a couple of the stimuli, ideally having no sense of time in the space. And I know, of course, you can often kind of gauge, try to figure out, well, the light's a little bit different or something. But if we don't have that clock there, that can eliminate a bit of the, that kind of wake up period that we do. Uh, when we start, you know, really, uh, you know, adding a lot of layers to all this. So removing those clocks is a, is a good place to start. Certainly getting the the phones out of the bedroom, because uh, furthermore then, if we turn on those phones and the light element from that, sometimes the notifications, if we haven't set ourselves up powerfully with that, all that stuff can just alert, like, bring the cortisol, wake us up real quick. Uh, so just setting up the environment in a space, but then also from that acceptance commitment, conversation that we're not going into like a Chinese finger trap of kind of trying to force sleep, like make yourself sleep, make ourselves sleep in a, with a Chinese finger trap. Like then you get stuck the more you, form, and so you just kind of relax. <laughs> so that be, can become a cool lifelong practice too, um, to begin to reframe. And that's another thing about it is that there's some cool studies around um, optimism. And uh, so from positive psychology, we can also see that people that, uh, kind of fall into a more optimistic categorization of, of, of a type of response to different stimuli in life. Um, that they tend to, so those, those people in that camp, when they see that um, you know timing and that they're waking up, if we can help train people to have an optimistic response of like, oh yay, I still have three hours left to sleep, awesome. You know, just those type of people tend to fare better to not get so flared up, and actually, you can, your body temperature can go up when you're stressed. Um, And that's the exact opposite thing we want to do for sleep. So those are a couple things you can do with those
0: wake-ups. Interesting. Uh, So there's a lot of gadgets out there these days, right? Like you can go on Amazon and, and a quick search or a quick Google search, you're going to see all sorts of gadgets. I think one that I ran into or I heard about recently was called the Chili Pad, which keeps like your bed cooler during the night. But from your perspective, what types of technology are the most useful? to maybe get our circadian rhythm more level and even, or to help us track this kind of stuff uh, a little bit better. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, great question. So when we're thinking about all of these gadgets, largely what we're trying to achieve for circadian rhythm entrainment, the terminology for the framework is two things. It's light and temperature. So those two things will really um, impact our circadian rhythm quite profoundly. Um, so any gadgets that can help support us with that, um, can be of interest. Now, some might be more valuable than others. So kind of how do you, and there's the sleep tech industry alone is crazy, 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 you know, millions and millions of dollars projections to be on the rise with the more that people are, you know, having difficulty with this, particularly around 2020 with um, and beyond with the lockdown and all of that. There's it's a big money maker. So if we're looking at light and temperature as being two big things that will impact your sleep, then um, from a gadget perspective, I would say one. I have just about every client I have uh, that I work with wearing um, the Aura ring. So it's O U R A. And is it perfect as a tracker? No, none of them are really perfect as trackers and. You know, still the polysomnogram is going to be the you know main gold standard that we would go to. But at the same time, from a consumer grade element of things, we can glean a lot of information. I wouldn't go nuts on like the sleep stages, but the total sleep time, like whether or not you're asleep or awake, they're pretty good at. And then also reading out other indicators of the quality of our sleep, like HRV, heart rate, body temperature, respiratory rate. Um, can all be really insightful. I've literally had clients be able to see if they have like sleep apnea, or well, they've had ideas based on um, the results on there that it looks like they're abnormal enough to get checked for sleep apnea from their respiratory rates. And lo and behold, they've had mild, moderate, severe sleep apnea. So things like that can be really, really game changer for people. Um, but that can help us just get a sense of the metrics from like a "what gets measured gets managed" type of space. Um, and then from there, then the ways that we can strengthen that, the results of that, strength, that circadian rhythm are uh, playing with that light. So one, for free, you can just get yourself outside and get yourself a lot of sun during the day, and particularly in the early morning hours. Um, so that's gonna really help with your sleep. But at the same time, uh, ensuring that we're getting as much darkness as possible. And so that's where we see a lot of the blue blockers um, being more trendy nowadays for people that are looking to improve their sleep. Uh, but also red lights, so like I have one right here so that goes red. Um, so having red lights in the environment that uh, that will be less likely to impact your melatonin in the evening. Um, things like infrared, because uh, heat therapy can play a role in that. But then the temperature conversation is a big one for for your sleep. And we do want to get you as cool as possible. Um, so the chili pad can be a great thing for a lot of people. And the reason for that is that if we think back to how we would have been sleeping back in the day for thousands of years, we would have been much more outdoor living. And, um, so we've been much more closer to the ground and where it's much cooler. And then, you know, kind of animal hides. it's the idea that um, partly why we might from a kind an ancestral perspective like the idea of these like weighted blankets and that sort of thing. Um, but either way, it would have been a cool sleep environment, very counter to the like foam mattresses that can get really hot, um, all of these giant like duvets, all this stuff, um, we really wouldn't have had a lot of. So either way that any way that you can lower your body temperature in the evening, we definitely want to do and the temperature in your environment you want to have it be at is around a, 60 to 68 degrees. Uh, so you want to be supporting that. And many, many people are not sleeping in that um, those type of temperatures. So we want to uh, do whatever we can to bring it to that level.
0: So you want the the surrounding temperature to be 68 degrees in the environment that you're sleeping in. Did I hear that right? Yes. Yeah, so from 60
1: to 68 degrees is kind of like the range. Um, so basically being somewhere in those, um, like, low to mid 60s and for a lot of people that would be a big breakthrough because they're you know normally in the 70s or what have you that kind of just occur as like way too cold um but as we start kind of creeping it back for them that can help make a big difference in also their um, sleep readouts and also we'll see like their body um uh, heart rate tend to go down over time hrv tend to go up over time the cooler we can get them
0: so you mentioned at the at the front of the conversation here that you've got a is it a PDF download as, of like the perfect the perfect sleep environment the perfect bedroom what was that called again?
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, the optimized bedroom. So it's like eighteen strategic uh, changes that you can make in your bedroom to make a difference, both from a low tech perspective and a high tech perspective. So wherever you want to fall in that conversation, um, you know, there's tons of things we can do to really get your bedroom to a space that it's going to get you the best sleep, but also playing on if you want to look into some of those gadgets to the optionality around that, um, those are all available. And, um, and then we'll also kind of guide you for through how to shift over your bedroom in the, in the mornings, you know, to because many people in the 21st century are living there. Uh, their space kind of doubles with a lot of things. So I don't presume to make it be like, Oh, your bedroom is just a sacred space. Because a lot of people, um, or, you know, in studio apartments or what have you. So we want to make it really clear the difference of day and night because it really helps the brain to be able to shift into, um, uh, the, the different spaces and act accordingly. So it has a couple of things to do both day and night in there as well.
0: That's awesome. And they can get that on your, uh, your website.
1: Yes. Yeah. So basically, um, if you go to the sleepisaskill.com website, it acts this kind of a bucket for all the things. So you can get that downloadable PDF for free. That will also sign up you up for um, what I call Molly's Monday Obsessions, since all my obsessions in the area of sleep. So every Monday, just like what I'm going nuts over. Um, it's such a cool area right now because there's are just so. Uh, much innovation and optimization kind of coming out and different things that um, are available, and different ways to kind of play with this and gamify it. I think it can really be a really life-changing area to take on. And then if you have some of these sleep trackers, then you can also show lots of charts and graphs of differences that people have been able to make by conservatively changing their sleep. Uh, so we do that every Monday. Then we also have the Sleep as a Skill podcast. There's a sleep assessment on there that you can take, and then you can get actual real people giving feedback on uh on what you're what you're sharing about your sleep and then we can also help support you in different ways whether it's uh online training course one-on-ones all kinds of things to help um really transform because i'm really committed that people get to feel supported and you know like a community because when i went through what i went through with my sleep i felt so just alone and like embarrassed and like my, at my wits end having I mean, no clue how to really make a difference. So. Um, I really don't, you know, I think there. I went through unnecessary suffering, but I don't think it has to be that way. And it can actually be a source point for really positive change in your life.
0: That's awesome. Molly, this has been a, this has been a fantastic conversation. I think the, the work you're doing is phenomenal. I don't think we pay enough attention to the, the sleep and the rest that we need in order to. Uh, perform it at high levels. Whatever whatever it is that you're doing, whether you're a business owner or an athlete or simply just a, a stay-at-home mom, I, I think that rest is super, super important. So um, I would encourage everybody go to sleep go to sleepasaskill.com. Uh, but if they want to follow you like on social media, how, how do they get a hold of you that way, Molly?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, so you can search Sleep as a Skill um, on any of the platforms. Um, also Molly McLaughlin, Uh, but certainly searching sleep as a skill will get you there too. And then um, if you go to the sleep as a skill website too, we'll have all the little social kind of buttons. You can press those and just click follow for, you know, more information on all those things. Um, We're adding on some uh, kind of sleep spotlight um, videos that we'll be having um, in the future too that will kind of be spotlighting some of these gadgets to show like what are worth investing and what are maybe not so worth investing um, you know, that will be probably one of the biggest feedback I get from people. It's like I want to sleep, but I don't want to spend, you know, just inordinate amounts of money uh, to do that. So, kind of sorting through the noise and what's worth it
0: and what's not. Awesome. Hey, well, thanks for thanks for joining us, Molly, and all of you listeners out there. Uh, reach out to Molly on social media. Let her know that uh, you appreciate the information that she's she's given us, and uh, that you look forward to uh, to connecting with her in the future. So, thanks, Molly.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. I
0: really appreciate the time. You bet. We'll talk to you guys next time. Have a great week. If you want to learn more about me, you can visit my website at www.nicholascjensen.com or follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Nicholas Jensen underscore. That's at Nicholas Jensen underscore. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform because you do not want to miss out. We'll see you next time on Unlimited Wealth.